Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 739 for the 16th of April, 2021. This week, when somebody tells you they've received a new friend request from you on Facebook and you know you haven't sent one, you might think your account has been hacked. That's probably not the case. The account probably has been cloned, and that problem is easy to fix. In short circuits, would you be surprised that scammers target people who follow a police department's Facebook page? That seems like something that should be a surprise, but of course it isn't. We'll get the rest of the story from Lieutenant Tim Cotton of the Bangor Police Department. Which will occur first, the paperless office or the paperless bathroom? And what about the cashless society? In spare parts only on the website, LastPass has severely limited the usability of its free service, but some of the competing programs are still free. Comcast's Internet Essentials program for low-income families now has more than 10 million users. And 20 years ago, it was time for networking the computers at my house. Even though I wasn't exactly on the leading edge, setting up a home network then was a lot harder than it is today. If you think your Facebook account has been hacked, it probably hasn't been, but it might have been cloned. Getting rid of a Facebook cloner is relatively easy, and you can avoid having it happen again. It's worth taking a moment here to understand the difference between hacked and cloned, and maybe even to consider the difference between hacked and cracked. In the past, hackers weren't evil. Hackers wrote code, and their primary goal was to learn about systems. Crackers were the people who broke into a system with evil intent. Somehow hacker and cracker were conflated over time, and hackers are now seen as evil. Well, there's no way to change that, so let's leave it alone. But has your account been hacked or cloned? If your account has been hacked, someone has either gained access to your computer by installing malware somewhat less likely, or has gained access to your Facebook account by tricking you into giving them your credentials. That's the more likely scenario. But hacked is still the less likely of the two possibilities. It's much easier to clone an account. All one needs to do is find an account that allows anyone to see the list of friends. The cloner then creates a new account using your name and sends friend requests to some or all of your friends from the new account. Sometimes the cloner will steal a few pictures from your account, too, but they don't always do that. Well, what's the point of cloning an account? The person whose account is cloned is really not the cloner's victim, but only an unwitting accessory. The crook uses the cloned account to fool the user's friends into accepting a friend request. But what's the point of that? Well, when the phony account collects enough friends, the crook can use it to scam the friends. Here's just one example. The cloned account sends a message to each friend claiming to be stranded somewhere. 
I drove to another city. My car was stolen. My wallet was in the car. I need $500 to cover expenses. I'll pay you back as soon as I'm back in town. It's an easy scam, a really easy scam, and one that all too many people fall for. So if you think your account has been cloned, let your friends know. A friend of mine had his account cloned several weeks ago, and he immediately posted a message to let people know something was amiss. It was easy to find the cloned account. When I searched for his name, I expected to find one of two types of accounts in addition to his, either a second account that used his profile photo, or an account with his name but no picture. What I found was an account with no photo and one friend, who I recognized as one of my friend's friends. Clearly, that person had received a friend request and had accepted it. People accept these phony friend requests because they think they might have accidentally unfriended someone, or that the person has created a new account. Maybe we're all too trusting. If I receive a friend request from somebody I'm already friends with, I send an email or a private message to confirm that the sender actually has created a new account. That has happened exactly once. In every other case, the person's account has simply been cloned. And before accepting any friend request, I visit the profile to find out what I can about the person. Do we have any friends in common? Is the account new, or does it have a reasonable history of posts? Identifying a phony account really isn't very difficult. The victim can report the cloned account, but friends can also report it. When I found the account with my friend's name, no posts, and one friend that I recognized from his real account, I reported the phony account to Facebook. Facebook's automated process immediately responded by closing my request and contacting the friend. The sooner a cloned account can be eliminated, the less damage the cloner can do. You can't make a Facebook account unclonable, but you can make it unattractive. The most effective way to avoid having your account cloned is to make it less attractive to cloners by making it impossible for anyone but you to see your friends list. To make the friends list private, click the Facebook menu button, that's the down-pointing triangle in the upper right corner of the Facebook site, choose Settings and Privacy from the menu, click Settings on the next menu, and then choose Privacy on the Settings page. Scroll down to How People Find and Contact You, and then change Who Can See Your Friends List to Only Me. That is the single most important change you can make. It's the one that tells cloners they're not going to find much joy in your account. But there are some other steps you could consider. Return to the Settings and Privacy menu and click Privacy Checkup. Work through each of the menu items on the Privacy Checkup page, read the descriptions, and decide what safeguards you'd like to establish. Plan to spend a little bit of time on this, reading the explanations and considering the alternatives. Making your account undesirable to cloners will protect your account. But maybe your account really has been hacked. If someone has actually gained access to your account, they can post as if they are you. If you think this might be what happened, return to the Settings page and choose the Security and Login tab. Expand the Where You're Logged In list and look for any entries you don't recognize. You may see a long list of when your credentials have been used, from which device, and from what location. Some devices may appear as Device Type Unknown, but if the location is familiar, it probably doesn't indicate access by a crook. You can click the three vertical dots at the right of the listing and log that device out. 
And definitely log out any devices you don't recognize from unexpected locations. If you find a login from an unexpected location, it's time to change your password in addition to logging that device out. And if you haven't enabled two-factor authentication for Facebook, doing that is a security step that virtually assures your account cannot be breached. While you're on the Security and Logins Settings tab, scroll down to Get Alerts About Unrecognized Logins and specify at least one email where Facebook can reach you. I recommend turning on notifications and also sending alerts to Messenger when Facebook detects a login from a new device. And to make sure you can recover your account if you get logged out by a scammer, you can also specify three to five friends who can help you restore access. If you're wondering how scammers obtain the username and password for a Facebook account, or for just about any other kind of account, it's easy. The crook sends an email message that looks like it came from Facebook, or your bank, or a medical provider, or Google, or Amazon. The list is really long, almost infinite. The message will explain that unusual activity has been detected on your account, or the account is locked, or some other seemingly legitimate issue. The message will then ask you to confirm your username and password. Right there, that's the clue that the message is an attempt to steal your credentials. No legitimate service or organization will ever send a message like this, so don't click any links in the message. If you are concerned that the account mentioned has been compromised, open a web browser and then visit the site the way you normally do. If something really is amiss, you'll be notified when you try to log in. Just be sure not to use any link in the email. Defeating scammers and crooks really isn't terribly difficult. It just requires a little critical thinking, caution, and maybe just a bit of paranoia. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, would you be surprised that scammers target people who follow a police department's Facebook page? That seems like something that should be a surprise, but of course it isn't. Let's investigate. Tim Cotton, who's a lieutenant with the Bangor Police Department, runs the department's Facebook page. Having never met him, I don't know if Cotton is a good police officer, but I suspect he is. I do know that he's a good writer with a sometimes sense of humor that varies from subtle to sarcastic. He writes about policing in Bangor, Maine. It's a town with 33,039 residents. The police department's Facebook page has nearly 326,000 followers. That's right, about 10 times the number of residents in the city. Any page that's popular enough to attract a lot of followers and a lot of comments is likely to be seen as fertile for scammery, even if it's a police department page. So shortly before April Fool's Day, Cotton offered some cautionary hints. 
I quote here, In recent weeks, we have been infested by perverts and scam artists. I can't control them. The Internet is a vast wasteland of dipstickery, he wrote. The problem is that anybody can openly exchange commentary and information on Facebook. And, he wrote, the key word is anyone. Okay, so scammery is my word, dipstickery is the lieutenant's. What's the problem here? Cotton says some very pleasant ladies who follow our page are being propositioned by handsome lads with impressive Facebook credentials. Cotton writes these are doctors, lawyers, oil company executives. You know, the type of guys who need to come to a police department Facebook page to find the love of their life. The scammers may offer, among other things, a first-class ticket to Abu Dhabi. There are lots of other enticements, too, because scammers are nothing if not clever. Cotton says he does try to block the scamming perverts, but it's just him against a legion of them. So, he says that if somebody tries to friend you in the comments section of the Bangor Police Department page, you should just ignore them. He will eventually see their repeated attempts at using the platform as a clean and family-friendly Tinder substitute and delete them. At this juncture, Cotton helpfully points out that those who don't know what Tinder is shouldn't search for it. You'll find that it makes our page look like Disneyland in 1965. What is a bit unusual about the Bangor Police page is that women are the most common targets. On many sites, the reverse is true. When someone who is or pretends to be female and attempts to get a man to be her friend, it's called catfishing. Maybe it's a one-size-fits-all term if the sexes are reversed, or maybe there's a special name like dogfishing. Cotton says, though, not many of the men who comment here are being propositioned by imaginary ladies. Please don't answer the scammers. He says, just ignore them. They do not have your best interest in mind, and I hate them just as much as you do. Cotton offers two points in closing. First, the usual, keep your hands to yourself, leave other people's things alone, and be kind to one another. And second, we are trying to make Facebook a safe place, but in reality, we'd all be better off just deleting the app. Yes, Zuck, he says, I said it. And even though I've included a lot of Cotton's Facebook post here, you can read the whole thing if you'd like on the Bangor Police Department's Facebook page. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And you, of course, need to be a Facebook subscriber to read it. There was a lot of talk about the paperless office, about the time personal computers started showing up in offices. If anything, though, most offices used more paper as a result of replacing typewriters with computers. But maybe we're finally making some progress. In times BC, that's before computers, correcting a minor error in a letter might have meant the judicious application of whiteout, followed by carefully feeding the page back into the typewriter or possibly just a correction written in by hand. Either of those methods was deemed to be good enough. But when computers arrived, it was easier to just fix the error and reprint the document. Sometimes this was done several times. So a document that might have consumed five pieces of paper on a typewriter took 25 sheets or more on a computer because corrections and modifications were just so easy. 
Now a lot of normal correspondence is done with email that doesn't have to be printed. Unfortunately, some emails are printed by the recipient for storage instead of just keeping the file on the computer. So I've always felt that it's likely the paperless office will become a reality about the time the paperless bathroom does. But, you know, we're making progress on that front, too. We're doing a little better with the cashless society. I still carry some cash around, but I've had the same two twenties, a ten, and five ones in my wallet for at least two years. I write about half a dozen checks a year, and virtually all purchases are made with a credit card that gives me a clear indication of where the money went. Libraries and bookshops still have lots of books you can borrow or buy, but ebooks offer a lot of advantages. Being able to store hundreds of books on a mobile device is one, along with the ability to read on a computer screen, a tablet, or a phone, wherever you are. I had to wait in a socially distanced way at an auto dealership for some recall work recently. Being able to read a book while waiting was really helpful. As much as I like the smell and the feel of a well-made book, e-books are a lot more convenient. The proliferation of smart, connected devices in the workplace has reduced the need for paper work orders, picking slips, and other types of forms that were routine in the not-so-distant past. Cashless and paperless. They're not yet perfect, but we are making some progress. Maybe. You won't need cash or paper to read spare parts. Just visit the TechBiter Worldwide website. This week, you'll find these articles. LastPass has severely limited the usability of its free service, but some of the competing programs are still free. Comcast's Internet Essentials program for low-income families now has more than 10 million users. And 20 years ago, it was time for networking the computers at my house. Even though I wasn't exactly on the leading edge, setting up a home network back then was a lot harder than it is today. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.